On this episode of Greater Than Zero Percent, we hear from Ward Miller, Executive Director of Preservation Chicago, um, about the work that they're doing to protect and revitalize Chicago's irreplaceable architectures. This one is a longer than our typical one, but be ready to be informed and educated on the history of architecture in Chicago and everything that goes into it. Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks, folks, for tuning into this episode. Today, we have Ward Miller, who is the executive director and one of the original co-founders of Preservation Chicago, of course, another nonprofit in the Chicago area. Ward, thank you so much for your time tonight. Yes, thank you for having us, Joseph. Yes, of course. So, per usual, um, 30, 60-second elevator pitch, what is Preservation Chicago? So, Preservation Chicago is a Chicago-based advocacy organization uh, dedicated to the built environment, to protecting our 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 city um, our legacy of its its architecture, its legacy, its landmarks, promoting landmarks, um, and working with neighborhoods to grow um, communities in a very holistic way, a very sensitive way, uh, to preserve envelopes, if you will, the buildings that contain all sorts of wonderful things that happen with inside of them. And we work uh, across the city. We've been involved in Alkel Gardens, which was a housing project for uh, African-American servicemen to Lathrop Homes on the Northwest side to protecting Emmett Till and maybe Till Mobley's home uh, and getting that landmark in the last few months. So uh, we work across the city to sort of preserve that look, feel and spirit um, of our city. And we're also there um, at, uh, at every Commission on Chicago Landmarks and Permit Review Committee meeting of the Commission on Chicago Landmarks to encourage more landmark buildings and to um, encourage their preservation and restoration eventually. Yeah. All right. I, I'm born and raised in Chicago. Um, so Chicago is very dear to me. So uh, me when I, yes, yes. When I stumbled <laughs> upon this organization, I, I thought that this was amazing um, because yeah, it, it's, yeah, with hyper growth, I think sometimes uh, some very historical um, locations in our city could get um, plowed through. So uh, really excited to get into what we're going to talk about. Thanks for that, um, that background. So uh, executive director, Organization's been around since 2001. Um, you've been an executive director for seven years, but you're one of the original co-founders. So what made you want to see the need or, or want to, to be part of the original crew for this? So, uh, well, thank you. And a good question. <laughs> uh, so just so you know, uh, born and raised in Chicago, I'm really fourth generation uh, in the city. My, my, uh, my maternal um, great-grandmother and great-grandparents came here in the 1890s. We're married at actually St. Michael the Archangel uh, Church at 83rd and South Shore Drive. And uh, so long associations with a lot of different uh, neighborhoods in Chicago. I started off on the south side to be close to one grandparent, ended up moving to the northwest side to be next to a paternal <laughs> grandparent to take yeah. care of me. And at five years old, we moved downtown uh, to the Irving Apartments designed by Pond and Pond, which uh, a few years later were uh, uh, impacted by a demolition. The Newberry Library owned it. It was, the first, it was one of the first early Newberry Libraries structures. Um, and, and then I was enrolled at Bateman School, an old McC Patterson McCormick mansion at Burton and Astor. Um, and it's 
was threatened later on uh, with demolition. And then my parents decided to split. Uh, so um, mom stayed downtown, dad moved to Lakeview and then to Hyde Park. So um, I saw a lot at a very early age. And I was also um, witnessing the changes in these neighborhoods, um, urban renewal efforts, wholesale land clearance, uh, people being displaced, businesses being displaced. And um, also, you know, the 1968 riots, I was seven years old when Martin Luther King, Dr. King was assassinated. And I saw so much happening. My mother uh, was teaching at Crane High School on the west side, uh, crawled down a couple flights of stairs on her belly. Uh, they were in, she and the principals were interrogated in the uh, in the auditorium, um, and she eventually became a child psychologist and worked with um, uh, people with all sorts of uh, disabilities. And um, uh, so I grew up in in the in the thick of it all. Uh, my first jobs, even as a young man, were in the loop. Uh, yeah. My dad worked in the loop, and I was a patron of all the department stores and whatnot. So our early history in Chicago, getting to know the city, almost a part of of me, uh, and then. Uh, uh, going to architecture school at IIT oh, okay. on the South side, actually going to Whitney Young. I was the first class out of Whitney Young High School. Wow. There's this gal named Michelle Robinson Obama, two years behind me. Uh, <laughs> she yes. wasn't an Obama at the time. Uh, <laughs> yep. It was just Michelle Robinson. <laughs> yep. And uh, really a diverse school that was brand new. And I was the first class. And it was a very small school, which grew as we ascended through the, through the years. Uh, then to uh, Northwestern and IIT. Uh, where I studied architecture, the Illinois Institute of Technology, uh, studied architecture in Crown Hall, you know, Mises one room schoolhouse, essentially, although, you know, it's a beautiful and perfect glass box and uh, learned to really um, understand and love, as I had from an early age, Chicago's architecture. And I think watching and seeing so much demolition really funneled me this way. So I went to work for John Vinci uh, in office of John Vinci, later Vinci Hamp Architects, only to find out John Vinci had remodeled my dad's house wow. under a larger firm's name. It was Dan Brenner. So you can see all these circles coming together yes. here. Working for John for 20 years on a lot of restorations, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright houses, Louis Sullivan buildings, uh, art installations at the Art Institute, whole temporary shows um, like Monet and Degas and uh, a whole host of them. And really having and Holy Family Church and restoration and preservation of buildings um, and, and, and restoration and preservation have always been um, a side interest or really a primary interest to me and worked with Landmarks Illinois and have been part of their issues committee for 25 years. But they're a statewide organization. We really felt there needed to be more dedication to Chicago. So after 20 years of working in an architectural office, uh, John Vinci offered me the um, the, the dream job of completing a book I'd wanted to see out since I was 12 years old called The Complete Architecture of Adler and Sullivan. Wow. It was Richard Dickel and Aaron Siskin's photographs and work and research on all the buildings of Adler and Sullivan, including the auditorium building with the auditorium theater, uh, the Garrick Schiller building, 
the stock exchange, the Chicago Stock Exchange, which you see fragments yeah. in many museums, and also the Carson Perry Scott store, among 250 others. And we were able to put this book together over seven years. It started in the 50s, 10 years before I was born. Wow. And it's an eight and a half pound book. And if you'd like, I could even pull it off the shelf for you. It's the bestseller. It sells between $500 to $1,000 now. We Jeez. underwrote the cost of it. And uh, after, after that project, I came to Preservation Chicago, uh, which was founded by a really dedicated group of, of people. It was led by... Uh, uh, Jonathan Fine and Michael Moran as president and vice president. And uh, after we got our uh, nonprofit status, uh, Jonathan became an, our first um, executive director. And then I became the second executive director after serving uh, as president for uh, a couple of years as well. And uh, so this has come home to, you know, to roost. And this is a passion. Yeah. It's more than a job. And um, it's a wonderful job helping people and um, using historic buildings in the built landscape in our in our landmarks and our future landmarks uh, together to really build a more positive city and in a city that's known for its architectural legacy, which prior to the preservation movement and the loss of some of these great seminal buildings uh, was something that was limited knowledge to architecture, architects, architectural historians, architecture scholars. But uh, we've done such a good job with organizations like Chicago Architecture Center um, and uh, outreach programs and our advocacy groups and a podcast like this that um, yeah. it's got out that we are a city to visit for architecture and we have this amazing uh, volume of, of buildings from balloon frame construction which was invented here wood frame to the steel skeleton the chicago school of architecture to the prairie school and frank Lloyd wright so louis sullivan yeah. daniel burnham john root hollerbert and roche um and the list goes on to Frank Lloyd Wright and to uh, Bertrand Goldberg, people like him, Walter Netsch, and uh, of course, Mies, Ludwig Mies van der Rohe and uh, the sort of second international or Bauhaus school uh, in Chicago. Wow. Yes, we. I, I like that nutshell. Yes. <laughs> There's <laughs> a lot of, like you said, there's like, it's almost like full circle. You have a lot of yeah roots in, in a lot of these. Um, and, and I think, I don't remember what article claimed this, but I heard that the Chicago architecture tour, the boat tour is like one of the most popular um, tourist attractions like in, in the nation. <laughs> so wonderful, there, there has to be a reason, right? Right. And there, and the Chicago Architecture Center, formerly Chicago Architecture Foundation, which was founded to protect Glessner House and H.H. Richardson building, which I, and I didn't mention H.H. Richardson, <laughs> forgive me. And there, there are others, of course, that yes. are all top tier uh, Chicago uh, people and Chicago uh, designers, artists and architects, all in, and engineers all in one. Uh, yes, uh, we find that wonderful that um, because when I was a little boy uh, growing up in Chicago, uh, you didn't really hear so much about these legacy firms um, and, and, you know, the buildings of Louis Sullivan and, Dan and Dankmar Adler were wonderful. But remember, the Auditorium Theater was shuttered for decades and then restored in 1967. And that was considered a 
really a magical uh, turning event, uh, as well as the, the demolition and the protesting of the demolition of the Garrick Schiller building. And of course, the stock exchange 10 years later in 1971. But this really did start a movement in America, along with uh, the demolition and loss of uh, Pennsylvania Station or Penn Station in New York City, really opened that conversation up to uh, what is what is important? What is important to save and, and this architectural legacy? And I think of these buildings as works of art, Joseph. And I oftentimes compare them to a, a great painting at the Art Institute or a great sculpture you might see at the Louvre. And uh, they're nothing less than that. And uh, you know, they're buildings that we live and exist in. And, and are part of our environment. So we oftentimes look to protect whole uh, districts of building with buildings with a landmark district designation, which doesn't, it's not meant to freeze a building in time, like make yeah. it a museum piece. It's meant to be a living landmark, but to preserve the look, feel, and the spirit of a neighborhood as you walk down the street. So it's really a rewarding uh, position, especially when you have successes. And when you have successes, I think most everybody celebrates. And that's this is something for the ages. It's not about me personally. It's not about our organization personally. It's about uh, sort of almost a public service. Um, but of course, we're a nonprofit organization. Everything we do is pro bono. Um, and we're supported by great foundations and individuals that like what we do and make it accessible to everyone. And, and when you say a, a win, do you mean like when you successfully prevent a demolition of a historic building? Yeah, so oftentimes um, it's, it results in a landmark uh, designation, but not always. And we work with developers, uh, a, a slew of developers that are preservation sensitive. And we oftentimes encourage them as good stewards to take on troubled buildings yeah. is my line. <laughs> and, um, uh, and they oftentimes incorporate these uh uh, structures in, into new buildings or they uh, repurpose them. And, you know, really um, an investment in these buildings is really important. Uh, otherwise they fade away. And uh, so ironically, we're pro-development in a funny way, but we're pro-sensitive development right? where we keep historic resources. And then uh, I think another thing to remember is we're not out to save every old building. Uh, we're out to save the good ones and groups of them. And we have something called the Chicago Historic Resources Survey in Chicago. It was started in the 1980s um, and published in 1996, which is almost 25 years ago. And uh, it, they have a coding, a color coding, red being the highest priority. Those are, you know, the buildings of international fame and then orange being below that. So, you know, the international fame would be the auditorium, the Carson store, the rookery, the Reliance building, the Marshall Field store, and the list, the, you know, Roby house, the list goes on, right? And the orange category is also really important. That's like the Palmer house. A lot of your neighborhood churches and synagogues and uh, really fine quality homes and buildings. And both of those categories could be almost considered for landmark designation, along with the greens and the yellows, which are uh, part of another category of buildings. But the oranges or the reds and the oranges are the highest category. We would like to see you know more of those preserved. But there's also an effort to update the survey. And it's coming from the general public as a groundswell of support, encouraging the city to do this. We also want to see organizations like Place Economics come in and really value 
uh, from the outside, if you will, an outside organization, uh, you know, the value of landmarks, does this um, slow gentrification? Does it uh, encourage gentrification? Uh, are, is it really more expensive to live in a landmark district? Maybe it's not. Pullman, you know, the town of Pullman on Chicago's south side, now part of the city of Chicago, but the first planned factory town community with an amazing civil rights and labor history, uh, has been a landmark since the 1970s. And, you know, you, you certainly don't see uh, vast gentrification going on there. And um, and that's true also in Austin, in the Austin Shock District. Now, there are areas like, you know, Old Town and Lincoln Park, which is, you know, like five, uh, excuse me, three to four landmark districts placed together. But right. remember when Old Town was landmarked in the 1970s, uh, it was just an affordable neighborhood. And it's really just the landmark uh, Land values in Chicago that sometimes drive up these prices. And of course, uh, you know, everybody loves the look and feel and the charm of these neighborhoods. So uh, it does bring more people and more interest. So anyway, that's where we are. It's, yeah. it's complicated, but it's wonderful. And uh, and even when we can't get a landmark district or a landmark designation, there are other tools. Uh, cities in introducing the idea of conservation districts. Uh, which will preserve volumes of buildings, but maybe not protect them from uh, demolition. But at least, you know, if you had a street of bungalows and you tear one down, you, you build something essentially equivalent to the same size and proportions of and volume as the, of that bungalow that you took down. So all these things along with downzoning can actually help and these are all planning tools to grow a, a more healthy city. And uh, that was not invented by us at Preservation Chicago, but we certainly do uh, encourage their use. Yes. Often. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know that that neighborhoods could be designated as you said landmarks. I thought it was just usually a building um, that could be designated. So you're saying like Lincoln Park, for example, is designated as a landmark neighborhood. Well, um, parts of these neighborhoods are Got designated. It. So Lincoln Park, the, the broader Lincoln Park community, which would include Old Town by our standards now, because, you know, it's just like downtown Chicago keeps growing in every direction. Yes. And, you know, it used to have boundaries that were pretty pretty close by, but now they, they keep, they keep growing North, South and West. Right. And you see that most in the West loop, which is, you know, so does, you know, the loop go all the way to Ashland Avenue now and South to 26th street and <laughs> North to Oak street or division yeah. actually, or maybe North Avenue, right. Where it used to have these boundaries, which were Roosevelt, Halstead, um, uh, not even Halstead, even further east, because, uh, you know, you had Skid Row west of Halstead, which is, you know, now the uh, West Loop, and it's one of the hottest real estate markets. But anyway, uh, these landmark districts are usually a group of buildings. So uh, let's say in an area like Lincoln Park, you'd have the Old Town Triangle District, and separate from that, the Mid-North District, and separate from that, but sometimes abutting, uh, you would have the um, Arlington Deming District, and there are little other little strips, Arling, uh, Rose, the Roslyn uh, district. And so, um, and, you know, and sometimes they're smaller and sometimes they're larger. There was a, a proposed district in Pilsen that you may have heard of that was would have been the, by far the largest at 900 plus buildings. I live in Logan Square where we were able to get um, two and a quarter miles of the boulevard system, 330 buildings landmarked. And that's probably more in the range of your bigger districts, but we have a new district, uh, which is a preliminary district at Armitage and Halstead of four buildings. So you can see that it, it goes, um, 
from the very modest and individual landmarks to, you know, hundreds of buildings. And what's in it for um, preserving a building? Like, I think that's a good question. Like if I want to build... Yes. Yeah. Like what, what are some of the perks usually? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> well, first of all, and I think this should not be undermined or yeah. underplayed, underscored, is it's a great honor to be a designated Chicago landmark. There are seven criteria and two of those criteria need to be met mm-hmm. to be a landmark plus the integrity criteria. So if you have a beautiful wood frame 1850s house, for instance, that has metal siding on it, or asphalt siding, uh, we may have a problem here right. with integrity, <laughs> and that's the integrity criteria. But um, so first is the great honor, and and with that comes you know a landmarks report, which is a printed report talking about the history of the building, the neighborhood, the community, the people that built it, perhaps, um, and and that is a document that goes online and is accessible you know on the web, which is really important. Uh, there's also a, a permit fee waiver, so if you're doing construction work or restoring your house, uh, that perm, that, that building permit fee is waived. Mm-hmm. And then, um, uh, also there's something called adopt a landmark. So if you're an individual landmark or part of a district, let's say you're a big building in a district, there's a developer, uh, funded fund, uh, which is a grant and it's competitive, but, um, they're given out several times a year. And this is a, uh, a grant that could be given to help restore your building. Um, most, most often they're in the range of $250,000. So a quarter of a million dollars. Uh, if you're a project like the Uptown Theater, which hasn't unfortunately gotten off the ground yet, uh, they gave, they dedicated a $3 million grant to them. But, you know, keep in mind that these are usually for larger buildings or individual right. landmarks, not necessarily for individual homeowners, but, you know, there could be exceptions looking to the future. And it's not from the city general fund. It's from this uh, uh, this developer fund, which neighborhood opportunity funds as well as adopt the landmarks uh, funds come from. Right. And that's a decision that's uh, made by the city. It used to be kind of, there used to be different rules where the development had to be close to the landmark, 2000 feet away, but that's changed now. Uh, thanks in part to our input and our, you know, we help wherever we can, the city and uh, neighborhood residents. And um, we're, we outreach quite a bit and we're very proud of that. And I think we do it in a, a very sensitive, heartfelt way. And, um, and our, our primary mission is, you know, protecting historic buildings in the city of Chicago. We don't go into the suburbs. We, it's just the city limits. Right. But a lot of what we do protects a lot of wonderful things uh, to occur. And you especially see that uh, in our in our work with uh, housing projects in the Chicago Housing Authority, um, even Rosenwald uh, uh, Gardens, Rosenwald uh, Apartments on the south side, uh, where um, after many years of being empty, uh, our, our organization, along with Landmarks Illinois and several other organizations, were able to finally encourage the buildings to be restored and um, the process landmarked. And the same is true with the old main post office where we were advocating that the entire building be saved. People were saying it was too big a building. We're going to have to demolish the center (laughs) section. And I would come to these meetings and say, why would anyone in the loop or in the downtown area say their building's too big? Would you say the Sears tower is too large? You know, like why would you demolish anything? You know, come on, let's, let's wait. So 
you know, fortunately, um, somebody held on to it and it was, uh, it didn't do a lot to it, but stable, you know, kept it stable and, and safe. And finally the, you know, it, it became the place to be now. And Walgreens is headquartered there for our pan Uber's got, you know, a, a regional headquarters and others. And, uh, and then Cook County hospital was another one with Lamarck's Illinois, uh, we saved and, uh, you know, we, we got studs Turkle out there back in the day before the, the county closed it with, you know, placards that said, you know, protect the, protect Cook County hospital. But we lose a few too, like the main post, uh, excuse me, like Prentice Hospital, part of Northwestern by Bertrand Goldberg. It was a clover-like cylinder, uh, cloverleaf-shaped building by the same architect who did Marina City. And, um, you know, so, and, and, and we lost the town and tennis club, um, Unity Church uh, uh, to Misericordia who wanted to build um, a group of homes for their most needy there. So uh, we yeah. wanted to move it. Uh, we wanted to move it to the adjacent park so it oh, could be wow. a, a park building. And so I think you can see that um, maybe in our conversation that we really try to do a lot of good that goes beyond just historic preservation and landmarking. We we really want to work with communities to identify new landmark districts, to identify character districts, to help the city with research, which we do. We're currently trying to save La Luce's restaurant at Lake and Ogden and Loomis. Uh, it's a former Schlitz Tide House, and it, but it's a beautiful one with, you know, copper patinated copper bays and red brick. And you see it all the way down Ogden Avenue. And uh, it was accidentally given a demolition permit because uh, it was an orange rated building. It should have been held in a 90 day demo delay hold for review for possible designation. Uh, so we put together a little uh we put together a little a little petition sheet, a very nicely worded one, encouraging the city uh, to landmark this. And within the first day, we got a thousand signatures and it's now been a week and we have four thousand signatures. Wow. Uh, we were also very successful in getting um, a near north district of historic houses in and around Michigan Avenue and Superior and Wabash. And uh, the community and the city and the aldermen, Alderman uh, Brendan Riley, all came together with um, a lot of people to landmark these 15 houses that are, you know, that are that are just have a human scale that, you know, have small businesses in them that have little restaurants that tourists find so charming as they walk off of Michigan Avenue. And it adds to so much of the Chicago mystique and the Chicago spirit. Um, and we'd like to see more of these designated um, because, again, it, it also allows for sunlight and air get, to get to these high rise buildings that are cropping up around uh, these, you know, former houses, which are now oftentimes, you know, businesses, small businesses, but it's everything from, you know, restaurants to uh, little cafes, you know, with their sidewalks uh, and their gardens as, you know, caf uh, outdoor dining uh, spots. And especially in COVID, that's important, right? Yeah. In our pandemic. So, uh, but it really does add to the charm and scale. And it also tells a story as you walk down the street of what the neighborhood looked like and even gives you a hint as to what North Michigan Avenue used to look like, you know, a, a little bit more than a century ago. So it tells a visual story. And so all of this is really um, wonderful in our eyes. And, uh, you know, of course we have losses and we all have losses and we all have failures. But when, when we're able to save something for the better good of, of everybody yeah. um, and it's long lasting, 
It's really rewarding. I have to I have to share that with you. And so we encourage people to get involved, sign up for our free newsletter. We do everything pro bono for the most part. We occasionally run a, a bus tour where we charge for the lunch and the cost of the bus, but we even give that away a lot. So, and then yeah. every year we have our Chicago Seven most endangered list, and it's a play on Abby Hoffman and the Chicago Seven trial, as well as you know the seven architects that sort of pushed against the Miesian utilitarian style in the 70s. And this is our Chicago seven most endangered buildings. And we announce it every, uh, well, it used to be March to align with Chicago's birthday or its anniversary of its incorporation, March 4th. But it's now moved back to uh, February. So this year, this coming year, will be February 24th at the Chicago Architecture uh, Center on uh, Michigan and Wacker, really on Wacker Drive, East Wacker Drive. And uh, we will name our seven buildings and it's a program and we, we do an amazing brochure. This year's uh, booklet is 100 pages and we offer that uh with a lot of research. So a lot of our heart and soul goes into this, uh, trying to make this a better city, Joseph. Yeah. My, my next question was going to be if you have anything coming up, but you 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 cleared it already in February. <laughs> well, usually we have a lot of programs. And if people are interested in, in volunteering or donating, uh, just go to our um, website, www.preservationchicago.org. Remember, dot .org. Dot .org, yes, not com. <laughs> uh, and somebody will respond to you. And of course, we're all working remotely. So you're in my home. You're in my historic dining room on my great-grandparents' dining room table uh with with um artwork all around from them um the rest of the house is rather modern looking but uh welcome to uh my home and then we are moving um from our temporary space into a permanent space in the williams building by hollywood and uh, roche from 1899 at wells and monroe and uh we've cleared away all the walls so uh with the exception of a library we're going to have a place where people can come in and look at uh, books um, and do some research if they want to, an open desk. And uh, it's really a fabulous little built 10 story building from 1899 that when you're inside, when you're on the outside, you're like, this is a beautiful Chicago school building, big windows. When you're inside, uh, it, you feel like you're in a Mies van der Rohe interior. It's all giant glass windows, seven and a half foot square, and, and they're all double windows. So it's really 14 wow. and a half feet, almost 15 feet of linear feet of windows. And we have um, seven banks of these. So uh, it's really a panoramic right next to the L mm-hmm. and in a building that people forget is even there. And it's a block from the Sears Tower and it's right behind the Northern Trust and all these wonderful landmark buildings that are sort of the calling card for the city of Chicago, some which we have saved like the Hotel Gray by William LeBaron Jenny, father of the skyscraper who introduced the steel frame uh, uh, idea where you'd hang the masonry off the building. And we were able to save this building and two others at the corner of LaSalle and Monroe, uh, 1929 and 39 South LaSalle, all by William LeBaron Jenny. Where would you ever find that in the world? And uh, the New York Life Building it was known as 39 South LaSalle is now the Hotel Gray. And we saved that from many, many proposed developments that would have um, harmed the building or demolished it completely or built or sprung out of it. 
And uh, it's now a beautiful, beautiful hotel for uh, LaSalle Street, uh, you know, financial people. It's right in the heart right. of the, the financial district where there used to be a ton of hotels when I was a kid, like the Sherman House and the LaSalle Hotel, and the Midland, for the most part, all gone. Uh, so, uh, the New York life building is one of those great hotels. And of course we've seen a lot of great office buildings turned into first-class hotels, which is really wonderful because, uh, it's a reinvestment in these spaces and these buildings. And oftentimes their, uh, their lobbies are spectacular yep. and they make a really grandiose statement. Um, as many of our Chicago, uh, historic hotels from the Palmer house to the Drake, uh, and to the Blackstone and the Hil the Hilton, originally the Stevens, Chicago Hilton all have that same sort of spirit. And in a funny way, you know, this is authentic Chicago and it's a great way to repurpose these buildings. The Reliance building at state in Washington was another example of an early, if you will, glass skyscraper, uh, by Daniel Burnham and, and John Root and um, Charles Atwood that really broke the barriers on, on what you could do. But the New York Life Building is really special that we were able to save LaSalle Monroe because it went up during the World's Fair of 1893 where 27 million people were in the city. So they started with um, the base of the building, which is granite, and then they ran out of granite or it was delayed in shipping between floors three and four, but then they had the terracotta and the bricks. So they basically had this big gap, this two-story gap where uh, you saw the base and then you saw this, this terracotta and this brick almost hanging suspended in the air by these little toothpick uh, columns that were Whoa. steel. So you could see the steel frame and you could see how the ingenuity uh, of sort of a bridge builder, William LeBaron Jenny, Jenny being an engineer during the Civil War, uh, using that sort of bridge technology, which is really fascinating. And then, you know, you hung the masonry on these buildings versus building a, a giant building with uh, without any steel. And you see that in the Monadnock building by Burnham and Root, where the walls at the base are about six feet thick, but it doesn't have an exterior steel frame. Right. And this exterior frame, the steel frame, allowed for the windows to become bigger in an age before electricity mm -hmm. and in an age before, um, you know, HVAC systems when you needed ventilation. So these still are beautiful buildings with big windows and it almost defies logic. And if you look at a building like the Carson Perry Scott store was built as Schlesinger and Mayer's department store, now Sullivan store, uh, Sullivan Center on State and Madison. Uh, you know, you can see the great master Louis Sullivan stretching all these materials, steel, terracotta, uh, you know, wrought iron, almost to its limits where you you feel like if he stretched it anymore, it would snap. So, you know, these were the, the strides of the Chicago school. And of course, um, led to all sorts of great tall buildings. Many of the world's first tallest buildings were in, in Chicago, and there was a competition between New York and Chicago to build the tallest. Uh -huh. So we still have examples of some of them with the Manhattan building on South Dearborn at 16 stories, also the Monadnock, the auditorium building, uh, which is now Roosevelt University. But we also had the 22-story Masonic Temple at State and Randolph, which unfortunately was demolished, but it had a 22-story atrium. So could you imagine? 
imagine going between that atrium to Marshall Field uh, store by Daniel Burnham and seeing that 13-story atrium and then walking through Marshall Field and seeing a seven-story atrium with a Tiffany dome on top of it. I mean, to walk through these buildings on inclement days, uh, which I used to do between the department stores once upon a time, uh, which are now mostly schools and universities now, to walk through those spaces must have been really phenomenal. And so we want to protect these buildings uh, for all time. And the development pressures have really gone beyond the loop to the neighborhoods now. So we find yeah. ourselves working uh, to create landmark districts in neighborhoods and communities. And again, this is all a planning tool to preserve these things and not to create a static uh, museum piece, but to make these living landmarks that are used and viable. And it's really, it's really rewarding, but it's 24 seven and it's an emotional roller coaster <laughs> and it's lovely and it's, it's nail biting and it's yeah. wrenching. And I tell my employees and people that work with us, Hey, let's enjoy the experience. Let's have fun with this because otherwise you'll pull out all your hair because uh, yeah. these things take a long time. You know, Cook County Hospital, the old main post office, uh, you know, we're a 20 year effort. Uh, you know, from beginning, start to finish. And the Uptown Theater has been empty for 40 some years. And that's nowhere near even being started. So you can see these advocacy efforts are long term. So we have about 170 buildings that we're currently involved in at some point, uh, touching or really pushing hard or testifying for um, or trying to find a new good steward to own and to purchase. So and then we even try to protect our park spaces, too, from incursions by new developments. Um, very controversial Obama Presidential Center being inserted into a park space designed by Frederick Law Olmsted and belonging to the people for 130 years. How do you how do you justify that? And, um, you know, most people think that, well, there's museums in all the parks. Well, guess what? Those museums were there before the parks and the parks oftentimes grew around them. And that's certainly true with the museum campus, which was, uh, if you look at early photographs of the Field Museum, it's surrounded by railroad tracks, believe it or not. There's the Illinois Central Railroad filling in land from the lake from the 1850s onward and making these railroad yards. And it was only uh, through people like A. Montgomery Ward of the famous uh, catalog company and department store that fought hard for our lakefront and uh, to keep that open free and clear. And that's understood to be along the entire lakefront, but that's not really the case. You really see it mostly in downtown Chicago and it's not defined, but we'd like to make the entire Chicago lakefront a national park, just like the town of Pullman uh, on the south side, the neighborhood of Pullman now, and just like the Indiana Dunes uh, to protect this lakefront and to help the city with maintenance. We have a number of smaller buildings that are falling apart that don't have roofs that are caving in on themselves, especially on the south side in Jackson Park. So we we really want to we want to be of great assistance. We want to be clever. We want to offer ideas. Uh, we we want to be uh, at the forefront of a lot of these discussions, but not necessarily lead them, but encourage uh, their uh, a robust discussion to come out of and robust ideas and cutting edge ideas out of all these things. So. This is what we do, Joseph, and it's the most amazing and <laughs> yeah. cool job, but oh. it's uh, it's not for everybody. Let me tell you, yeah. um, oftentimes um, we saved a, we saved a historic house belonging to John Nuveen in the Irving Park neighborhood not long ago. 
and uh, the Old Irving Park Association and the Historical Society um, were very much involved. And there were three ladies that were just fabulous. And after a year of a lot of testimonies and getting it through the landmark commission and all these various stages from preliminary landmarks to final to the final landmark designation to city council acceptance and all these committees, you know, you end up testifying five to six times uh, for just a regular billion. That's, you know, and if there's public testimony, maybe more or public hearing. And I remember at the final landmarks hearing, <laughs> These three ladies were behind me. And when the final vote came through, tears were flying out of their wow. eyes and they were tears of joy. And they were laughing and crying at the same time. And I just turned around, and looked at them and winked and gave them the thumbs up. And they were looking at me trying to dry their eyes. But the emotion, pent up emotion and the um, the passion, the the, the effort, the mm. uh, you put your heart and soul in these things uh, yeah. was really evident. I took a couple pictures of them um, <laughs> and they wanted me to send them. And then they were sending me texts even though the meeting went on or join us for a martini across the street. We're celebrating. I'm like, I yes. can't celebrate. I've got three more landmarks we got to testify for, but I'll, I'll see you around five. And this was a two, you know, yeah. so, uh, they left me in their dust, but uh, they're forever grateful. And, you know, it's wonderful to be able to do that um, in tandem with, you know, people that really care. And, and there are a lot of people that, you know, are so focused on, uh, you know, working and getting food on their table, supporting their families, supporting their kids, um, you know, making dinner doing homework with them uh, that they can't get out to all these community meetings. So uh, when it's appropriate, um, sometimes we represent that, uh, that population that just can't get away, but um, you know, through conversations or maybe a, a public meeting or a message or a phone call or a letter, um, we get their support or a petition yeah. signature. So Anyway, Joseph, uh, this is what no. we do at Preservation wow. Chicago. So please join us. And Joseph, uh, we're expecting you to be a volunteer as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I literally came to this meeting thinking that, um, like, I, I knew a good amount about Chicago and the history and the architecture, but I... I'm just like mind blown at everything that goes into this, everything that your organization is doing, all the the history behind it, the architecture behind it, the architects behind it. Um, so this is extremely informative. Thank you so much. So uh, we'll be sure to, to share all your um, social media and contact information when we post this um, in, in, Typically, for people to get engaged, they could donate, they could volunteer. Anything else on the list that you that you typically Join see? Our, from you know what? Um, we have a newsletter. It's free. It's electronic. It's mm -hmm. it's um, it's organized by and written and co-authored um, by by Adam Natenshin, our director of operations. He's just a wonderful guy. He was a board member for many years and then came on staff. Um, uh, and, and he writes that along with uh, all of us contribute a little bit um, right. uh, to this newsletter, but it's 40 to 60 pages every month. It's a month in review, so it comes out the week after the month is over, so we can really capture everything, even those last days. And uh, Mary Lou Seidel is our director of community engagement. So uh, 
and then we have Kathy Bond, our director of, of events, and Kathy and her family uh, contribute in so many ways to our organization. I just want to say that uh, she's just wonderful. And then there's head troublemaker here, executive director Ward Miller. And <laughs> I always field calls. I always pick up my phone. Uh, we talk to everybody. We talk to uh, uh, everybody who calls us from the, the, the gal next door and the, the guy down the street to, uh, you know, the news media, to politicians that ask us our thoughts or opinions or want to share a concern, uh, we pick up and we talk to everybody. And that's, I think, a great source of pride that um, we're, we're here. We try to be here for everybody, if you will. Yeah. And the last thing that I wanted to end on is how we originally met. I don't know if you remember this, but probably two years ago, uh, we were both in this Dunkin' Donuts and there were two, um, two little girls that were like slinging candy bars. And I'm like in a deep negotiation with them, explaining them like why I should get two for five versus one for five. And you're just like sitting there like smiling. And I think like I had you take a picture too. Um, yeah, I did. Yeah. And, I then, did. and then I, we got to talking and gave me your card and that was then two years later or whatever it was, here we are. So That's fun. great. I, I do remember that it was downtown on Lake street and and, and Joseph, the funny thing is I, I did take that picture and send it to you and you did follow up, yep. uh, which is which is kind of amazing because it's been a long time. And you're also ratting me out that I was in a Dunkin Donuts. Oh, uh -oh, uh -oh. <laughs> but I think I was trying to get coffee to yeah. keep me going away because we do community meetings way into the evening, even Zoom community meetings. So, you know, even though our day may begin at, you know, nine in the morning or a little before or a little after, depending on what went on the night before. Sometimes uh, I don't get home until 10 or 10.30. Um, uh, you know, you, you work dinner in there and you're going to bed at midnight and it just starts all over again the next day. And, and nobody really understands when you've got a building under threat. And uh, I get it completely. So that's why we're always there. Now, you might want to talk to my wife and children about this. My uh, children are now adults. So a shout out to Hayden and Catlin Miller, who are both in the arts, too. So uh, I guess it didn't. I guess the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. But, um, <laughs> Joseph, that was a that was a wonderful meeting. And it was worth going into that Dunkin Donuts uh, <laughs> to meet you and to be part of this part podcast. Two yeah. years later. That's, yeah. that, that's a crazy, cool Chicago story. Yep. And it's very much um, the way a lot of our uh, our interactions are in Chicago. And I like to think of Chicago as America's biggest small town because it really is. This is great. I'm, I'm excited to get this story out there. Um, and like, like I said, we'll, we'll make sure to post all this information and, and hopefully drive some people to the newsletter. That's how I stayed in touch over the past two years and oh, stayed connected. You. Yes. So, so, so you, you know, it goes on forever and ever and yeah, ever. It's, it's a big newsletter. So folks yes, that sign up, every be month. Ready, but very, yeah, yeah a lot and of thank good God it's Thank God it's electronic because if it were uh, <laughs> If it were printed, it'd be like a five pound document yeah. every, every <laughs> month, right? So. Right. Awesome. Hey, but Joseph, it was wonderful talking with you and um, in, enjoyed spending a little time with you and your followers and um, I really look forward to seeing what 
what your edited podcast yeah. looks like at the end of the day and how much of me ends up on the cutting room floor. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. We, we typically post everything. So this is good. This will be really informative because um, I didn't know about this. I'm from Chicago. I've lived here my whole life. So um, people that haven't lived in Chicago their whole life, I'm sure this will be really informative as well. And again, um, we welcome everybody to get involved. Thanks for tuning into this episode. If you know of a great organization or individual leaving a positive impact, we'd love to tell their story. Check us out and contact us at gtzp.org, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or YouTube. And also to rewatch our other episodes and see what other great stories are being shared. Thanks again.